How much does a producer make? Did you go to school? What did you study? What's a showrunner? I've never heard of that. What does a director do? What's the best part of your job? How do I get in? Who do I need to know? It's time to ask your questions. We're here for you. Welcome to 101, a podcast for young women interested in careers in film and TV. We'll sit down with industry professionals, ask them your questions, and get the answers you need to know. 101, it's the beginning. Hi, everybody. Uh, It's Kate and Meredith. This is the episode where Meredith and I are in the hot seat, and we will answer all the questions that we ask our guests. Uh, So, Meredith, are you excited? Are you nervous? About talking about myself? I know. It's so weird, right? It's like, uh, yeah, but I mean, I guess my thought is always like, if you're not the expert of you, then who is? I think that's one thing that everybody has to be really comfortable in any business. It's like, you have to be really comfortable talking about yourself and your accomplishments and all those great things, but it doesn't make it any less daunting. (laughs) So I think we're going to just kind of go back and forth. So Meredith, what is your occupation? I am a film editor. I have also done uh, producing as well. Uh, When you're self-employed and an independent contractor, you um, find yourself doing all sorts of different roles, but ultimately I am a film editor (laughs) day to day. Nice. I started in this business as an actor. I went to acting school and I also went to school for writing. So I, I started as a writer and an actor. And as I grew in my career, I started producing and directing. So it's kind of a little bit of all of it at the same time. But for me, um, I think it's really important to kind of illustrate my reality. I also have a day job. So I work for a company during the day as well. And then I do independent work on the side, but not on the side, because sometimes you have to work to make money so that you can do other things. The next question is kind of like, how do you define your role? I am the person that gives you the final product. I uh, see literally every piece of footage (laughs) that is shot. And um, I ultimately decide, you know, what gets shown Um, and the pacing, choosing the best take. Sometimes you get notes, sometimes you don't about those things. And um, sometimes you would make a cut and you love it and it gets torn down. Um, sometimes you make a cut and you love it and it goes through all of these revisions and then it comes back to maybe the thing that you initially started with, um, which is fine. You know, you got to try new things and the director and, you know, writers may want to see something else and just to make sure that what they're getting is true to the vision. What about you, Kate? As a writer, I come up with the story that ultimately gets revised and revised and revised and the script is used to shoot the film or the short film. And it's kind of like the the place to start. And for me as a writer, I've never felt like that was the finished product. The beauty of what we do is it's a collaboration. You know, Meredith and I have worked on a couple projects together. And I think that when you collaborate with really great people, you get their talent poured into where you started or vice versa. Like, I think that's kind of 
the job of everyone to just add to the project. So as a writer, I see myself as the, the starting point where everyone gets to work on this project together and make it the best that it can be. As a director, I feel like, you know, because I started in acting, I feel a huge connection to actors and kind of making that space really safe for them to, to fulfill this, like this highest level of, of taking risks and, and going for it. It's my job to, to make it a really safe place for the whole crew, you know, and to work really uh, closely with the DP and to make sure that the vision is, is unified across the team and also to be the point person for setting the tone for the whole team and to, to really lead by example, um, by the way you act, by the way you treat people and so forth. So Kate, I want to ask you, what was that moment that you knew that you wanted to be in this industry? Oh gosh. Uh, or a set of moments or was it a, a gradual love? I think there were two. Um, I was a kid and I, I was uh, in this, in this fifth grade, we had an assignment. We had to write a play that we were ultimately going to do for the whole school. And I was like, so into this. I'm like, this is like, this is my jam. Okay. I'm going to write this play. And then I like asked my teacher, I'm like, well, you know, who's doing the scenery? Like, what are, what are we doing for costumes? They're like, no, we're not, do we're not doing scenery and everything. So I like, like made scenery at home so that it could hang for my, for my play. Like nobody else had scenery except for me. And I took my own time to do this. I'm like, what a pain in the ass kid. Set the stage, Kate. <laughs> so they, they like begrudgingly hung it in the corner of the stage. But, you know, like I remember being in that play that I wrote and I was just like, oh, I love this. I love being on stage. And it was a fifth grade performance. So I'm pretty sure it was pretty awful. But, you know, I just loved the feeling. And I was relatively shy when I was really young. So that was kind of like a, a big deal for me. And I remember being in the car with my parents on the way home and I'm like, I think I want to be an actor. And my parents were like, go to college. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was one. And then the second one, I went to see Big with my mom. It was like a girl's night. So uh, we went to see Big at the theater and I was little, but I remember my mom told me She's like, you know, Penny Marshall was the director of this. It was life-changing because I'd never heard of a female director. I'd always seen men portrayed as directors, even in like cartoons, like it was always a man. And the fact that Penny Marshall directed that, and I was just like, what? Like this is that, movie. that yeah. is, and it's a, it's a brilliant movie. Like Penny Marshall is like one of my favorites. Her storytelling like had such a huge impact but also knowing that she was one of the first women to be so successful at the box office um but you know when I was little I didn't know that but I was just like oh my god she was a director like I can be a director really so that was a pretty big moment in my life and yeah that, I think those were the two big ones uh for me that kind of set everything forward
Nice. What about you? Like yeah. when you, I, you're like, you're like Miss Creativity. You're like no. Meredith. I don't know if our listeners know this, but Meredith is like one of the most creative people that I think I've ever met and like wildly talented at so many different things. So like, what was the first art that you fell in love with? I think I know the answer, but I'd love to, I'd love to hear it from you. So my mother was a classical pianist and she taught me and my brothers growing up. Um, when I was that young, I didn't really feel a love for piano and flute and classical music um, until I probably hit puberty, which usually happens. And, and then you start to feel all the emotions of Debussy and Ravel, and you just love those gorgeous lush chords. But um, I think I fell in love with oil painting before I fell in love with playing classical piano. And I picked up flute later. But yeah, oil painting, um, I just loved the uh, Impressionist movement. It really captured sort of my style too. I kind of just leaned towards that type of style. I love doing landscapes and painting castles. <laughs> Very romanticized um, upbringing, I think. But um, yeah, and then... Um, I think like it was sort of like very gradual, you know, like from the start of, of classical music to painting to drawing. And, and then I realized, what about film? I mean, I loved, loved Wes Anderson, Judd Apatow, Coen Brothers, you know, just growing up with all of these people. And then I watched SNL every Saturday night with my parents, Molly Shannon, like, oh my God, Molly Shannon, like, <laughs> Reese Witherspoon. I loved the movie election it's a good movie <laughs> julia louis dreyfus like all these people mike judge amy sedaris is a crazy girl but love her too jennifer coolidge all of these people that i sort of like grew up with i fell in love with all these actors and the styles and then i also was doing voices like i didn't do it professionally or anything but like i always had this ear i guess for music that allowed me to present voices like to my family or like my friends and they always loved it they were like you're spot on I don't think I wanted to perform in front of a camera because you know I had done performances um, piano and flute and dance and all that and it wasn't like my calling it wasn't my favorite thing so the behind the scenes post-production came to me um, once I graduated from from college and I just I fell in love with it I really did it's cool to think of an editor being like a painter like it's true too, right? It's, I mean, it's so true. I didn't know you did voices. Oh, I, <laughs> Meredith, like, I, I need to hear these one day. <laughs> I've been working on my Julia Child, but it's, it's. <laughs> to be presented at our next episode. <laughs> what are your day-to-day -day responsibilities as an editor? Yeah, so, um, Usually I like get a hard drive from um, the post supervisor or the, the assistant editor, which um, I love having assistant editors on jobs because they bring it in, they organize everything, they sync the footage to the sound and they make it all nice just for the editor to, to just start working <laughs> and working together and piecing everything together. So I get the hard drive, I familiarize myself with all the footage um, all the sequences, making sure that I have everything I need. Sometimes there's missing assets, missing graphics, whatever, what have you. But one problem, you know, you solve it and move on to the next problem. No, ultimately, yeah, like I, I just love right getting into the project and you have a string out, which basically means the assistant editor put together every 
a scene with every take all lined up as a string out. And I go in, duplicate the sequence, of course, to save the initial string out, always duplicate your sequences, um, just start cutting. I mean, ultimately, like, you're going to have notes about which take you might want if it's scripted. Um, if it's not scripted, you kind of just play it through and, and see what the, those moments are, what those beats are. And I use a lot of my instinct and um, my speediness to get out a concise first cut um, that I find to be the, the authentic energy of whatever we're working on. And then there's rounds of notes and sometimes it'll take a couple weeks to finalize a, an episode of a show. Um, if we're talking a feature, I think what we cut, it took like six months. Yeah. It wasn't like a full-time everyday thing, but that was sort of the process there. And then, yeah, you want to make sure when you're done cutting, when everything is finalized, you know, you clean up the audio, maybe do some quick color correct before you pass it to the sound engineer who's going to do a final mix, or you pass it to a color, a color grader who's doing a more in-depth color grading. Um, you receive those files back when they're done and you piece it all together and you may send it out to broadcast or whatever the, um, whatever the workflow is. Um, so yeah, there's, you know, I've done commercial spots where you send it to the uh, traffickers who are getting ready to put those on to broadcast. I've worked on a lot of digital, which is just straight to the web. You know, we've worked on films together where, you know, you have the final output and you submit it to festivals. So all of those specs, all of those technical specs of each file is also something that um, is really important with our job. So yeah, there's a lot involved. Um, you're working with a lot of people. Sometimes you're only working by yourself. Sometimes you have a team of editors. It's also a big relationship with the director. You want to make sure that you're, you're getting what they want. But then also there's the producers and the execs and the whatever network you're working with that have their own stipulations. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was, that was a, a great way of kind of framing out a lot of things that you do because what you do is a lot. So I, I think that was a really concise way of doing it. I think, you know, one of the things that amazes me about what you do is that you take, like I start as a writer, I start with like the beginning of a story and once it gets through production, it's like a whole other story because you have to go with what you captured and what you were able to do during production. And then there's this like third iteration of storytelling, which is, which is Meredith's realm, which it amazes me how editors think and how your brains work. I think it's such an amazing art. Uh, so I'm definitely- You're right, yeah. The story does, does take like three turns, yeah. It really does. And, yeah. and I think that it's wonderful because it's like, you'd never write a script and be like, here's the first draft, it was great. So it's like, you have, you know, a couple different ways of, of just making it so rich and like the best that it can be. So I just always encourage people to not resist like other people adding to your art <laughs> or your story. Um, because I, I know with my experience working with you, Meredith, like you added so much to three bound and, you know, all the other things that we've worked on together. So 
it's a, it's a really great relationship when you, when you can work with someone with an editor that you trust. Yeah. I wouldn't have a job without, without you writers and directors. So. Oh, we're just lovey today. Um, so, yeah. So what do you, uh, which, which position do you want to yeah, talk about? You know, about? I'll talk about producing. Um, yeah. and I'll, I'll talk specifically about producing a film just because I think it's, uh, aligned with like kind of what you framed out. Um, so producing is a really interesting art form because it encapsulates so many different things. So a producer can be very involved. A producer can be not so involved. It really depends on the role and the person and the project. Um, sometimes people, people get credits for producing because they are there every day pushing pushing the the project forward being involved in every single thing about the film and sometimes there's like a person that made an introduction that really helped get the project moving so they may get a producer credit or they helped with the script or the story so they may get a producer credit you know producer is a very there's a very wide range of what it means. Um, but for me, um, I produce my own projects. So what that looks like is I start with an idea and um, I either develop it. That means like write, rewrite, work with a writing partner or work by myself. And um, you know, you kind of develop the, the project into the next stage, which would be pre-production. So that means that you have raised some money. A producer might help fundraise for a project. You kind of bring it to that next place, which would be pre-production. A producer would help with getting a team together, would help with finding director, finding crew, finding cast, finding a casting director, if you're using one, if not, you might help with hiring actors. Then it just kind of expands to finding locations, organizing your, your days, um, finding out when you're shooting, how long you're shooting for. There are other producers that help with lots of different things, like a line producer will create a budget and will kind of keep the production to that budget. But if it's a small project, a producer might just do that. So it really depends on the project, how big it is and things like that. But beyond pre-production, you, you thankfully and hopefully move into production where a producer will do so many different things. You might be making sure like Crafty is there. You might be running to get something for wardrobe. Or, I mean, if it's a bigger thing, then you might be just sticking to like production responsibilities, making sure everything runs smoothly, helping out wherever you are needed, making sure everything is in place for the next couple of days and for the duration of the shoot, uh, confirming locations, working with unions, managing transportation I, I mean it, it just ranges it really is endless and like it is I'm like trying to think of other things I'm like am I forgetting anything yeah. I probably am forgetting <laughs> probably it's you a know? lot of creative problem solving a lot of puzzling ever it's a puzzle honestly and like things change as you're progressing yep. 
and that just makes it all all much harder but once you're there you're on set things are going you're just like this is amazing all of my work has come to this point and it is yeah producers have such a great opportunity to connect with like all of the departments my god yeah and that's Um, one of my favorite things nice so you finish up production and then you move into the the final not the final phase but you move into post-production and depending on the size of the project like if it's a tiny project you'll as a producer you'll probably be really instrumental in pushing post forward and communicating with the editor and the colorist and the post-production sound designer um, and like whoever else, the composer. um, There are a lot of other uh, things that you might do in post-production just to help facilitate the the final deliverables and, and, you know, working with the director and making sure everybody's in constant communication and you know, in my experience, I've really had to certain projects. I've I've had to push it forward because I feel like everybody finishes production and they get into this place of, oh. <laughs> and you're like, okay, no, 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 we're not finished yet. It's not done. <laughs> yeah, not for you. Um, yeah, and yeah. It, you know, and it's like, let's keep going. You know, we need to have a movie. You're not done. Uh, let's start talking to editors. Let's start doing this. Let's start doing that, which is really exciting. Then once you finish post, there's another part where it's what you're moving into either festivals, which a producer might kind of put that kind of thing together, depending on the dynamic um, and the size of your team. So you might start submitting to festivals. You might start working on marketing and marketing materials. You might start looking to just, just like straight distribution. So you might start looking at distributors. You might start looking at sales agents, figuring out what the best fit for your film or for your project is. Uh, and, you know, always being in communication with the whole team to to make sure that you're fulfilling the goals that you've set for the project. And then you take a nice big vacation. <laughs> it's so important that um, the marketing and and knowing where your film or short or whatever it is should should be. I mean, you, even before you start the project, you kind of need to have an idea yeah. of where, where you want it to live. I'm reading a book about this very thing right now. The author talks about how important it is to know your audience like throughout the entire lifespan of your film so if you're starting with a script or you're writing a script everybody has this idea of this ideal journey for their their film where they're going to submit it to Sundance it's going to get in everybody's going to love it everyone's going to want to buy it and you know as much as I would love to say that happens these days, it's less and less frequent that it's an unknown person being plucked from obscurity and being celebrated for their first film. Like, I'm not saying it can't happen. I'm just saying that's the lottery ticket. That's the one in a million chance kind of thing. Whereas a filmmaker these days has to be a little bit more savvy and to know your niche audience right off the bat. There are a lot of people making movies and, you know, 
you just have to be really smart about it. What skill sets do you think are are best represented in this type of job? So like, can you, I mean, I can name a bunch, but like probably communications, number one, like keep going. I'd say like organization, you have to be organized. Like if you are a mess, the entire production will be a mess. So, you know, you have to be organized. You have to communicate. Flexibility is also really important. Like you have to be able to be flexible. Like this is the plan. We're going to do A through E. And then you're like, okay, well, A can't happen because we're missing something. B is going to be reporting at nine. So let's do C, D, and then E, and then we'll come back to A, B. Like you just have to be really flexible and quick thinking. Um, I think those are really important skills. And like bottom line, you also have to be able to connect with people. Like, I think that's the mark of a really great producer because yes, you can organize. Yes, you can plan. But when you're working with other people, they're going to remember that relationship and it's worth its weight in gold because if you build really strong relationships with people, they want to go above and beyond and they want to do their best work. And um, that's the kind of environment that I like to, to create for projects. What would you say? I, I would imagine organi- organization and is like huge for editors. Yeah, definitely. I've gotten so many um, praises to my my project files because like they are very <laughs> organized. Um, there's not like an asset missing that's not in a folder. And, you know, for me, yeah, organization's huge. And I think that any other editor would say the same. Um, communication's also pretty big too, because like if you if you just like aren't upfront about things that are concerning you, then um, those things kind of will linger. Um, you want to make sure that like anything that you're missing, like you got to you gotta tell them as soon as possible. Um, it does happen a lot. <laughs> it's kind of crazy. Yeah. Um, I would say like, like using your best judgment and your creativity and your instincts to, because you, you've done it, you know, like what's going to work and what's not going to work. And it'll just move the project along so much faster if you don't doubt yourself. Um, and if you, if you need to go back to something, then you'll go back to it. You know, it's not a big deal. Also. Yeah. Like keeping a level head, um, and not like blowing things out of proportion, keeping, keeping things in perspective. There's going to be a lot of technical issues that might happen um, on any given project. Maybe your hard drive fails. Like you need to back that stuff up. You guys like back (laughs) it up twice, three, whatever makes you happy. Yeah. Like just keeping a cool head because like you can have anxiety spikes about like the smallest little things. And like, it might not be the worst that will happen. Like, you know, just just take it, take it as it comes. I don't even know where I'm going with that. Sorry, Kate. I know. I feel like that's kind of one of the places where we really connect. It's like somebody asked us once, we we did an interview for one of our features and like, they were like, uh, do you think this was really hard to do? And Meredith and I were like, no, because it's not like curing an illness or like performing surgery. It's like there, you just have to keep it in perspective. Like we are so lucky we get to work with really creative people and hopefully really awesome people and make movies like 
and tell stories. Yeah. I just think that it's important to not forget that and not lose sight of it. Kate, what did you study in school? Um, I studied English with a concentration in writing. And, you know, in, in my film Three Bound, one of the characters is, uh, says that he was in the International English Honor Society, uh, which I was in the International English Honor Society. <laughs> and once I finished school, I, I went to acting school and I studied Meisner an acting method that you learn I highly recommend if you want to go to if you want to be an actor to study acting uh, because it gives you like a whole bunch of tools that you can use when you need them so sometimes you are really filled with the behavior that you need for a role but sometimes you're not and sometimes you're just like oh my god I have nothing I have nothing. Ah. Um, but that, like that training, not only makes you such a an expert in your your yourself as an actor, but it it also provides you these these resources so that you can be like, okay, give me two seconds, and you just like dive into your toolbox, and you're like, okay, I'm just gonna I'm gonna prep with this, and I know that this pushes my buttons, and and you can get to that place of the behavior that you need and you know you have a blast in acting school like I had a blast my, my teacher was not the kindest person um but you know I've thankfully moved on to work with an, an amazing coach uh named Rob McCaskill who is just uh everything that an acting coach should be <laughs> I just think training and being around other actors made me the artist that I am uh and it's influenced me as a writer it's influenced me as a producer and a director uh so definitely study your art but don't let that be the only thing that you study um branch out and and study lots of things because it makes you a better artist so when you're on set and you see these actors like in their zone it's just it's just amazing to watch and be a part of so yeah so Meredith you studied you didn't study editing at first you studied I was an oil painting uh, major, um, studying fine art, art history. And uh, my second to last year at Trinity College, um, they, be- they started the film department, actually. And I was the first female to graduate with a film studies major at Trinity College. Hello. Um, there were only two of us anyway, like to start. I love it. And now this department has like expanded you guys. Like I- I'm... I'm just thrilled. I was originally thinking about doing production design and I was like super interested in what it takes to complete uh, the mise-en-scene. And I went to NYU in the summer of 2010 and took a couple classes. One was like drawing for film and the other was a production design course. Um, and I loved those classes. I learned a lot, but I, but I also learned that that wasn't what I wanted to do. <laughs> um, so that shift, that shift is fine. Like that, that those things can happen, but, um, just try it out. And that's how, you know, if, if it's your calling or not. And I think like stuff like that, I don't think that's wasted time. I think that's like an investment. And if nothing else, you learn to appreciate that art in the whole process. You know, I actually took an editing course, Meredith. That's awesome. I did. And I took a a workshop in lighting because I wanted to know what that part of the team goes through. So 
That's so cool. Yeah, yeah. So that was my double major. And then um, I was editing in New York at a post house and um, was learning as much as I could through my colleagues, research, editing, uh, decided to go to um, graduate program at SVA. And that was sort of like my calling card to understand the full scope of filmmaking because I only sort of had this one post-production perspective. So I wanted to know what it was like to write, produce, direct, and edit my own film. And that's sort of what the program was and then marketed, of course. <laughs> that's awesome. And the film was so great. I love I love that film. Oh, Gone into you. the Clearing is Meredith's film. Um, thank you. I just love that moment where you where you get that music stringing into the sequence and it just like brings alive the whole picture. It's it's magical, you guys. It is magical. I, I have to say that is one of the um, one of the most exciting and surprising moments, I think, of making Three Bound, where, you know, I, I I'd made other films with music, but like I think for that, that was like the biggest deal. We worked with our our composer, John Lasauer, and uh, just sitting there with him and then seeing the 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 final film, you're just like, this makes it so good. <laughs> yeah, it, it really just, elevates it. Really it. Yeah. And John actually did our little intro music for 101. Yeah, so he did. Yeah. That was a big shout out to John. So Meredith, tell me what was your first gig? I don't even remember how I got this connection, but um, I was, I had already graduated from Trinity. I was living back at home in Westchester County, just north of New York. And I was trying to get into the industry, doing whatever I could and um, happened upon a commercial that was shooting up in Orange and uh, at the Douglas House, which is a gorgeous house that they use for films, um, for filmmaking and big front yard. And it was an Orgel cold sores commercial. It was a big production too. Like, like the director and the, and the, the DP like had those big cameras, the, the, the seats attached to the camera rig moving down the driveway, you know, this girl's so happy that she now no longer has cold sores. <laughs> um, but I was an art assistant. So I was helping um, the production designer. That's so cool. What yeah. was that? What was that? Was it a couple day shoot or? Yeah, it was two days and I helped load the, the, the van with all the supplies, everything that they needed for the shoot. So helped unload, drove it, drove around with uh, the art production designer. Um, and he had two assistants. So I was one of two and on set was helping just manage um, the props, honestly. Um, and then just being a team player and helping with um, lugging whatever we needed upstairs for that room or downstairs shooting the breeze with uh, the DPs smoking cigarettes outside. Like <laughs> I was just trying to be one with the gang. Um, there was a chef on set. It was great. And that was with EUE Screen Gems. That's so cool. I mean, were you like enamored? Did you know, like from your first gig, you were just like, this is my world. Yeah, I, I mean, it. I didn't think that being on set was my calling, but I did really enjoy meeting everybody on set and having those discussions and like having that um, initial push from people like you're doing great like 
you're just keep going, like keep going after it. So that was encouraging. Um, even with, you know, being maybe one of two women on the set of 50 men, you know, um, yeah, yeah, it was definitely encouraging and I felt confident and, you know, ready to just help any way I could just super eager. And that I think helped a lot. (laughs) Yeah. What about you? What was your first gig? Oh gosh. Um, I feel like there's so many firsts <laughs> because it's like, is it my first like thing that I got in New York? You know, the first role that I, that I auditioned for and that I actually booked. Um, but I'll go with the first, the first job that I got paid for, which was like the biggest deal because I just finished acting school and I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm a professional actor now. <laughs> um, but I booked uh, an industrial film, which is basically a a film that companies use to like for training purposes or what have you. The role that I was booked in was an industrial film for anti-sexual harassment. Um, It was like an anti-sexual harassment training video. I was either a doctor or nurse and I I was, I went to wardrobe, I got my scrubs, went to makeup and, you know, did, did the whole thing. And we were shooting on location in this hospital. I think it was in New York state. And, uh, I worked with this other actor who the situation with circumstance was that he was a patient like in hospice and he was like sexually harassing me. (laughs) And it was just like the funniest thing because I was trying to be very method. And I was like, you know, what is, what is like the, the cause and effect in, in Meisner, they call it like the pinch and the ouch. So I need to know what I'm responding to. And uh, this older gentleman played the patient and he was like, he was like, he was a patient that was like grabbing my bottom And, um, you know, I responded to it and I was like, Mr. Whatever your name is, please don't do that. And that was the scene. And the guy like, wouldn't grab my bottom. So (laughs) I was like, I have nothing to respond to. So I'm like, I'm like, sir, like you, you have to actually do it so that I can like respond. And he's like, my wife is never going to believe my day. I was just like, oh my gosh, this is like the best first gig ever. Um, It was just so funny. But I remember like, I loved being in in the crew with with all the people, with the other cast. Um, And, you know, it felt so real. Like there is something to be said for doing the work and learning and getting something from you know, a free gig or whatever, but that first job that you get, that you're being compensated for your, for your creativity and for your talent. I think that says so much and it means so much because for me at the time, it just made it so real. It was like, you know, I do this and it's worth something. So that was my first gig. And I remember finishing it and I was just like, I wore scrubs. I was walking around. People are like, oh, those are the actors. I'm like, I'm an actor. <laughs> That's so exciting. That's so yeah, exciting. Yeah, that, uh, that was a pretty big deal. 
Okay, I love these questions. These are like my favorite to ask people. And now I think this is my favorite to answer. So um, Meredith, what is the best part of your job? When I get an edit done and I just fall in love with it, like everything about it, the pacing, the, the energy, the authenticity, and I see the work that I've done. And when the director and the producers are all so happy with it, we're like, yeah, I think this is great. Like we're good to go. Like that, I just love that moment. So, and I also love the, the process of it, like the actual editing itself and like working through it and knowing like, oh, this isn't, this isn't right. Like two frames off of this or like, you know, like, no, we need to change the shot. So like just the process also love it. Yeah. I love that. I think there's something to be said for that, like closing the book or just kind of just being like, ah, you know, for a writer, it's like when you hit print, not that you print anything anymore, but um, it's just knowing that it's done and, and getting that feedback is just, it's so cool. I've been thinking about this, obviously, because we ask everybody this question. Um, I think the best part of my job, uh, and this kind of covers all of the different kind of hats that I wear, is the yes and part of my job. It's when you're with a team and you're working together, whether it's another actor, whether it's a director working with an actor, and it's just that pure collaboration where it's, you're putting ideas out there and everybody's saying, yes, and, yes, yes, and, and, and I, I just got like the chills from it because it's like, it's like the most incredible part of making movies. It's like, or, or, or making anything you're on the same page, you're, you're working toward the same goal. And that's when the magic happens. And that's when the inspiration comes and really great things come out. It's just like, it's intoxicating and, and, and it leaves you just wanting to do it more and more and more. And as a producer, like I find that I just want to create those yes and moments for other people. And I think that's what pushes me forward as a producer. What would you say is the most difficult part of your job um, as a producer? So I was going to say that no is like the hardest part to hear in, in my job, but it's not hearing no, it's hearing nothing. Like I could even take criticism. I can take anything as long as it's like transparent. That's like a, an overarching thing that you'll, you'll, you'll be confronted with. You'll be like waiting to hear back on a job or waiting to hear back on a, a script or whatever. And, you know, I, I think I really appreciate people who are just like no BS and you're like, okay, thanks. Yeah. In the post-production world, as an independent contractor, it's, uh, some of the most difficult parts about it is like, where's the next job going to come, you know? Um, and I've been super lucky that I've had um, a steady amount of work since I've been self-employed um, in 2014, I think I started. Knowing where you're going to get the next gig, how you're going to get it, who's going to give it to you, how much you're going to get paid this time. <laughs> Um, and just like navigating all of those uh, hiccups along the way. And then when you get the job, you're like, great, <laughs> let's start. So I want to I wanna jump into that and like dig a little deeper. How do you manage that? So, and you can be as specific or as, as general as you want, but like, so you're on this job and 
you know, you're really involved in that. But like, as you're involved in that, are you kind of simultaneously searching for your next job? Or is there a point in that job where you're like, okay, it's like, I have two weeks left. I'm just going to start looking for my next gig. Or do they kind of organically happen? Like how, how do you do that? I've been really lucky where it organically lines up like kind of perfectly. It's very strange how it's happened. Um, This year has been a little bit more difficult, um, super dry January and February. So that's just the nature of the industry. Um, But I'm, I'm always looking for jobs. Like I, I'm always actively just seeing what's out there and applying randomly. And like, so sort of both, like, you know, there's waves and I've been super lucky where things like organically line up really well. Uh, If there's a lull and I don't have something coming up, then I'm, you know, I'm working on my craft, working on the podcast, reaching out to all of my contacts, all of my network and seeing what they're doing. I think it's super helpful because I can remember being a young actor and being so involved in a project or in a, a film or whatever. And I didn't know if I should be like also pursuing my next gig. I'm working on this film. It's shooting in May. Like, do I continue to submit for auditions? The answer is yes. But, you know, you have to kind of find that that way of balancing being a creative and also uh, being a business person. And I think that's something that young creatives don't always come to so easily. I think that you're so immersed in the work that you're just kind of like, oh, uh, yeah, I need to continue to look for work. So that was really helpful. Thanks, Marta. What do you think needs to change in the industry? I want people to take a chance on new people, new stories. I'm I'm really sick of um, all the 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 throwbacks and the remakes and they're cool like cool sure you 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 got there you did it good job like you made a sequel or whatever but like you're hurting the original piece I think and um putting up something that's not as good quality wise um and creatively wise so yeah I want producers I want investors to take a chance on real creativity. Yeah, I agree. I read somewhere that Steven Spielberg said that, you know, there aren't any more true pioneers in in the film industry. I think that there's kind of some legitimacy to that. I think people are really scared to take a chance. I'm not saying it's everybody, but I, I think that there's, there's a huge portion of people that are like, oh, we don't want to, we don't want to risk that because it's a risk. I think that there needs to be um, more women in positions of power in this industry uh, in, uh, across the board. I, I think that the, uh, the celluloid ceiling report is a pretty accurate measure of the opportunities that are out there for, for women. And I, I do think that there needs to be more change in that, in that realm which is one of the reasons why we do this podcast. I think that uh, there also needs to be a big change in questioning the way everything's always been done. Um, I'm kind of tired of that. I think that it's time for people to shake things up and say, oh, well, it's always been done this way. You know, everybody's been okay with 
16 hour work days, uh, but we're not okay with this. And this is how we're going to do this moving forward. That's one of the things that I'm passionate about, uh, changing that, that landscape and that, that environment for people. So I think those are the things that need to change. And also the relationship with moms in the business and finding your way back to being in your job after having children. Um, we had a guest who talked about her experiences returning to work uh, and she find, she found it tremendously difficult and people wouldn't take a chance because she had a kid. And I've heard that story from other women as well, which uh, I, I think is just bullshit personally. Um, I think women who have families and men who have families add a huge amount to any project. Kate, what would you say is the best advice that you've gotten? Two things that I, I've been uh, told. One is surround yourself with good people. And I think when I was younger, I, was, I, I heard it, but I didn't hear it. But I think, you know, surround yourself with good people because those are the people that you'll work with again and again and again. I think the other advice that I was given an actor friend who is uh, pretty successful. He told me, he's like, you know, Kate, you're, you're not afraid of this. I mean, you shouldn't be afraid of pursuing what you want uh, because there will always be another job. There will always be another opportunity. So I guess that wasn't advice, but it was more like a compliment thereby changed into some advice this is everybody's favorite question I, I think this year my favorite film of the year was coda it's just like the impossibility of the whole situation the acting is wonderful it's a group of like relatively new actors and it was just so poignant and so beautiful but also, like, I just think that there's a place for all films. Like, When Harry Met Sally is, like, one of my favorites. You know, film is so great because it's like food. It's like, there's a place for everything. If you want to eat, like, a filet mignon, like, then watch that. If you want to eat a Pop-Tart, like, watch that, <laughs> you know? Like, exactly. that's yeah. the magical thing about film. Like, it just suits your mood. Exactly. And going back to your original point, like things that, um, that make films that make you think for days after, oh, like, yeah. I, I have to say, I didn't love power of the dog, but that movie we talked about for days and days and days afterward. Yeah. So props, <laughs> you know, it was, uh, it was beautiful. Like I watched it and it was beautiful. I, I, I was really struck by, by the beauty of, yeah. and the, the specificity of the cinematography. Yeah. There and are parts of it that I thought were spectacular. I don't know if I connected with it as much, but right. it was just more enduring, like enduring yes. and surviving. And I, I think that is a reality for a lot of people. So maybe that's where they grounded themselves in the truth. I don't know. Yeah. This was a super awesome conversation. Meredith, thank you so much. Thanks, Kate. Uh, and uh, check out all of our episodes with 
our other guests other than just like, you know, ourselves. But, you know, we have some really amazing guests that uh, have great things to say and wonderful advice. So you can check out all of our episodes on our website, which is www.101podcast.com. And we'll see you next time. Bye, guys. Bye.